eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Welcome one and all to a mock draft mashup with Kev and Pete. Say hello, Pete. Hello, Pete. From NFL Draft Punk Podcast and Kieran and Lee from college, Full 10 Yards College. That's right. Say hello, was... fellas. Hello, fellas. <laughs> Take Pete's joke. <laughs> oh. uh, I'm not old enough to do dad jokes, so what's going on, fellas? <laughs> I definitely am old enough to do dad jokes, as I was embarrassed earlier before uh, recording, not knowing who your uh, headset is uh, made by. So I'll, I'll carry on and try and hide my age as best I can. Uh, we are basically doing a mock draft mashup between two podcasts. We've done a snake draft between us, picking uh, teams to pick with. Um, we're all picking from uh, one team from a division. Uh, rather than go through the order, we'll just divvy it up as we go along. Um, no trades. And we are going to be picking for who we think the respective teams should pick. First up, Lee. Jags, you're away. You're yeah, on the I get, clock. I get the honour of opening us up, don't I, with what could be the easiest pick <laughs> on the whole night when it runs around to the, the actual night on, on the in the middle of April. Um, I'm not going to spice it up. I know that, Kieran, we kind of joke with you that in our very, very first mock, uh, for anyone who hasn't listened, in our very, very first mock back in the autumn, uh, Kieran's a big LSU fan, picked Jamar Chase to go number one overall. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go for Trevor Lawrence, obviously. Kind of an easy one. Uh, I get to spice it up a bit later on, maybe with the Jags picking later in the first round. But yeah, they're going to be boring. Trevor Lawrence, what can you do? What can you say? I mean, we were doing our uh, quarterbacks episode uh, a couple of weeks ago now, and I didn't really know what to say because I didn't really want to have anything original to say that hadn't already been said. So I'm not going to try and do that again. So yeah, slam dunk, Jags taking Trevor Lawrence. Do you ever see a position where he doesn't, work out is there any way that it doesn't work the only thing I thought is he's not used to losing and neither is Urban Meyer and now they're going to both have to get used to losing quite a few games because they are going to lose quite a few games yeah for sure it's it's about facing adversity isn't it we hear it all the time not just with quarterbacks but with teams and players in general and yeah you're right he's going to have to get used to it but there's nothing in his mental makeup or anything like that that says that he's fragile to me or anything like that I mean he's come back from poor games poor series things like that I know that's a bit different to losing 10, 11, 12 games all next year, but I feel like he can handle it. I feel like he's kind of been built for this moment to be the number one pick. I said on our podcast quite recently that we've kind of been talking about him for five, six years since his high school days and he's been on the radar. So yeah, he's ready for this. He's, he's sort of been mentally preparing himself all that time, I'd say. So yeah, I mean, there's no perfect pick is there and it can always go wrong, but about as much as, uh, about as, much as a home run as you can hope for, I would say. Absolutely. So I'll save you answering who your second and third QBs are until uh, my pick. I'm up next with the Jets. Um, new regime, new coach. We're starting it off with my personal number two QB. I'm going Zach Wilson. Um, there's not much, from my opinion, between him and Fields. I just think he look, personally looks more natural playing the position. Um, I like the way he plays on the move. And I know you could argue sometimes about his accuracy. I think um, when he's playing for BYU, a lot of balls are kind of thrown up there uh, and looking for his receivers to make the sort of pull him out of the mire a little bit. But I like his moxie. 
I like his uh, I like his his arrogance, and I think that's a good place for him to go to with a big media platform as well. So I'm going Zach Wilson BYU QB there. Who is your two um, QB two and three? Okay, and I'll let you go first because you've not spoken yet. I I, th- I think uh, Zach Wilson, and then. Justin Fields. I'm not the biggest Justin Fields fan. Everyone on the podcast already knows that. It's not an Ohio State thing. I just don't think he has the arm to push the ball down the field consistently like you need in the NFL. But that being said, this is how good I think Trevor Lawrence is. I think the gap between Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson is at least double the gap between Wilson and Fields. That's how much better I think he is than any other quarterback in that draft. I'm not saying Zach Wilson's bad. I'm just saying I think Trevor Lawrence is honestly that good. I'm not going to use the word generational. I know Lee hates that. (laughs) But in terms of QB prospects, he might be the best prospect that we've seen come into the league since probably Andrew Luck. Yeah, I'd echo a lot of what you said there about Trevor Lawrence. I'm, I'm the other way around, so I prefer Justin Fields over Zach Wilson. I don't think there's a heck of a lot in it. But, I mean... I know that Justin Fields isn't the most experienced quarterback in the world, but I do like sample size. I mean, I, I about, talk about sample size quite a lot. And I just feel that Justin Fields has got a lot of that. I feel like he's got more pedigree than Zach Wilson. It's like when you go to the supermarket, you want to buy a name brand, right? And that's what I feel like Justin Fields is rather than Zach Wilson. Although Zach Wilson is coming off an incredible season. But then I kind of look at myself and kind of reflect and think, well, I kind of knocked trade Lance for having just one incredible season on his resume. And I can't really then stick up for Zach Wilson when it's a bit better, obviously. And it's obviously at a high level of competition. Another thing that I kind of like. But yeah, I, I just kind of think with my reflection, the kind of way, and if I'm looking at it fairly, I'm going to grade Justin Fields a little bit higher. And that's why I have them so far. Fair point. So you're up next, Lee, with the Dolphins. So no trade. Yeah, I mean, it's what do we reckon, guys? This isn't going to be a pick for the Dolphins on, on draft night, is it? Pete, I'll come to you because you've not spoken. No, it's not. And this is an ideal situation for them. They'll be licking the lips and they'll be making some phone calls, I guess, Carolina, Denver and the likes. We'll be getting phone calls from Miami for, for a trade down. There's, there's no way that they're picking at three. Who's your biggest candidate that will come up here? Uh, I think Broncos. They've been in, in the uh, discussions for some of the experienced quarterbacks. So they're obviously looking to move on from Drew Locke already. So I think they'll make a move and I think they've got a defence so they can sort of support a, a young QB as well and still make a run. I think they've got to make a move sooner rather than later as well with that division turning into a bit of an arms race. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't like to the Broncos to come up and in this situation, obviously, be off the Justin Fields, wouldn't they? I wouldn't like to see that in the division because that division would, like you say, get awfully spicy back there. Kieran, what about you? Who do you reckon is going to come up at three? Uh, just given... Uh, how I think Brian Flores is going to be... Like, I personally would take Jamar Chase because he is heads and shoulders the best receiver in this draft. Don't care about your opinions on Devonta Smith. Doesn't matter. He is outpaced... He's, like, even missing a season, he's still outpaced Devonta Smith on a lot of very important metrics for wide receivers. And I think if you want to to succeed in Miami, you're going to have to give him a big weapon because as we saw last year, that look Fitzpatrick got it done but outside of Gusecki and and a couple guys getting catches here and there that Miami defense isn't particularly explosive uh and if you're not willing to maybe grab another offensive lineman like Panay Suel 
and just afford this young man some protection. I think you've got to go Jamar Chase and make sure he's got a consistent target to throw to. I'm going to disagree with you again, buddy. I'm going, I'm going Panay. I'm going Panay here with this pick at number three. Um, I just feel like, I mean, you're right. You mentioned the right guys, but I just feel like you've got to get an elite player at number three. Or like we said, Pete's right. You know, this is not going to be a pick for the Dolphins. They're going to get a big haul for this. But for me, you know, you've got to protect Tua. At the end of the day, he's already been injured. He's already looked shaky in his NFL career. Until recently, Panay was my number one player that I've ever graded until Trevor Lawrence came along, you know, and I graded him just after. I just think he's an elite player. I know you're going to switch him over to right tackle and be blindside protective of Tua. I don't think he's kind of immune to kind of learning that other role. But I think, yeah, you go up, you get an elite player, you get the second or first best player in the draft, depending on which way you see it, and you kind of prosper from it. Pete, you're our lineman. Yeah, you can... That's the pick I was expecting to be made, to be fair. I think just Sewell's uh, is solely, I think he's head and shoulders above the rest of the tackles. I think some of them are getting inflated slightly uh, as the process has gone on. But Sewell is outstanding. His, his athleticism, his strength, his processing, of his, the game that's going on around him. I think he's a, uh, he's a surefire success at the next level, I think. Okay. Pete, you're up. Are you following us up with the Falcons? Again, in the top five, tempting... Don't want to pick there often, do you? You don't. And I, I was expecting those first three to be off the board, to be fair. Um, so this one, and I'm, I'm torn between drafting a quarterback, but then Matt Ryan's what, 35, 36. He's got three years left on a quite a bumper contract. Uh, just seeing what the books have done with Brady and surrounding him with weapons. Um, I'm a massive Jamar Chase fan, so I, I'd go for Jamar Chase. It's Bit at odds with Arthur Smith's offense at the Titans with three wide receiver sets. You think it's neither the bottom of the league having three wide receiver sets because they have got Ridley and Julio Jones there as well. But I think he, he's that good uh, of a player to be a weapon. And also, Julio's got a few injuries last year as well and missed some games. Calvin Ridley's got a contract season coming up. So it's sort of protect them in the future as well. As well as having three weapons this year on the outside. Okay. So, Kieran, you're happy with that? Jamar Chase, it, look, that, how good has Justin Jefferson been? Well, we're very happy. <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 Justin Jefferson, the only rookie for as long as I can remember, is, is having his roots played as highlights. Now, I watched, <laughs> I watch LSU games religiously. I'd, like I, I watch them more than I go to church, and I am telling you. Jamar Chase is head and shoulders above Justin Jefferson. He is five, six times better than Justin Jefferson. His roots are cleaner. His hands are better. His release is better. He can do everything Justin Jefferson can't, and Justin Jefferson can do everything. That's how good this guy is. It's When Justin Jefferson got drafted first round, I thought, great, and this is going to be kind of like, he's going to do great, but I think, People are just going to be waiting for Jamar Chase. And he's had this record-setting season. And I think I upset Sean, one of our NFL guys, because I said the reason – I think I upset Lee with this as well, saying the reason Justin Jefferson should have won Rookie of the Year because he broke Randy Moss's records as a rookie. Justin Herbert broke Baker Mayfield's records as a rookie. Uh, so you've got this guy who's probably the first rookie wide receiver in a long time to be this good. And Jamar Chase is so much better that it's unbelievable. He helped take Joe Burrow to 60 passing touchdowns in a season, something that's never been done before and will never be emulated again unless games run for six quarters. It's just, yeah, it, 
that's the best pick you could have in this situation. He is the best player in this draft besides maybe Trevor Lawrence, but I understand wide receivers aren't big difference makers in if you don't have the arm power thrown to him, but this is literally the best pick you could have taken. Perfect. Okay, you're now up, Kieran. Welcome to the draft. Thank you. Uh, so, Cincinnati Bengals, they need to protect the best ball placement in the league. So they're going to take offensive tackle Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. Now, because the two other picks that I could have taken were taken, this is the best tackle I could think up to go next. And I know a lot of Chargers fans, particularly were I in to bring this guy in to give Justin Herbert some more protection. Uh, and I think the Bengals are going to go hard in free agency. They have to. They have a bunch of cap space. They need to go after a lot of offensive linemen. But this is a guy you can't miss on. He is, next to Panay Suwell, he's probably the most pro-ready offensive lineman in this draft. Uh, you can just slot him in. He's going to be a plug-and-play guy. And he's going to be the reason that Joe Burrow throws 40 touchdowns this season because he's going to have more than half a second to get a ball out. Are you um, concerned at taking... Well, where are you playing him for a start? Uh, I'll probably play him on the left side. Okay, I and know. you're ha- happy with him at tackle? No concerns about lack of length? The thing is, I think because if you're going to have him at tackle, we- we've seen that he can dominate guys with very similar wingspans and stuff, and that's not a problem for him. And I understand there is concerns when he faces come comes up against longer guys. But it's the length he can't deal with, the explosivity and the power of guys he has no problem with. But the the thing with the length is that can easily be trained out of you. Look at how down I was on Nick Bosa just before he got drafted, saying he didn't have the arm length. It was the explosiveness and power that took him to where he was in defensive rookie of the year and not necessarily the measurables. Yeah, speaking to, I listened to an interview rather with Rashawn Slater. He's been training with Duke Medyweather at his facility. And one of the things he said he was being focused on is those counters where, where they're dealing with length. If somebody gets his hands on first, getting that counter to be more instinctive. And so he's aware of it. And I think that footwork that he's got is arguably possibly better than Sewell's at times as well. I think it's absolutely, it's really, really clean. It'd be a shame to move him inside with that footwork. Eagles on the clock. Pete? Yes. The Eagles, right. I think, if of the Eagles, I think I'm going to go for quarterback. I'm going for Justin Fields. Um, Hertz had a small sample size last year, and I think he, a slight improvement on Carson Wentz, which wasn't particularly difficult. But looking at the stats, he had the, the lowest percentage of accurate throws for all QBs with over 100 attempts. Um, by quite a margin as well, it was only 60.7 compared to Drew Locke, who's next lowest at 68.9. So that's quite a wide margin. I know he's making players with his legs he was behind a decimated defensive line but I'm not entirely sure he's a franchise quarterback that you can trust to play within that structure um, and so if, if Justin Fields is there I think he showed in that, that Clemson game where he had a few doubters after the Northwestern and the Indiana games uh, Justin Fields about how he sort of bounced back from that adversity and showed what a what a competitor he is um, I'm going for Justin Fields to, to lead the Eagles going forward I don't think there's much between him and Wilson for me. Some of the he really came back up for me in that semi-final game. Um, the throw to the I think it was to his tight end names. I can't remember the fellow's name, but that was an absolute arrow and the type of NFL-ready throw that you expect to, uh, you, you're going to be expecting him to see on um, on Sunday. So I think they'd be delighted with this. Um, I don't know how the changing room would feel because they're apparently all behind Hurts. So. 
that's something we've got to bear into account. But I'll I'll deal with that. It's a, it's a new head coach. I've got the I've got my uh, my new quarterback for the next ten years. I'll, I'll I'll take that on the chin. Okay. Well, you're firing away again with the Lions. So, yep. Okay, the Lions, and obviously with Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones uh, being free agents, there's a, possibly a need at wide receiver. But I think they might franchise tag Golladay. I think we mentioned it on our, on our latest pod that, that that's an opportunity for them. I think he'll stay in the building. Um, so I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball and go for Mika Parsons as a defensive playmaker. I think Jared Davis and Reggie Ragland are both free agents. And even if the words, neither of those is good enough uh, to pass on the absolute weapon that is Parsons. His tackling, his blitzing, his speed, his size, athleticism, um, possibly some development as he's relatively new to the position. Uh, but I think he also embodies that mentality of, of new coach Dan Campbell. He'll be a torn setter and biting the caps on his way back up from the ground, as I think Dan Campbell wants his players to do. I think uh, he'll be a great player for them. Lee, how do you like uh, Parsons? Is he pretty much your, your, your in top 10 for, for you with players? or He's on the periphery of it. Yeah, he is. He's a great player. He's just blows me away on tape. I, when I was watching him uh, fairly early on in our scouting series, I just think we did linebackers first. And I was the, we got like a featured guy in each one and I had Parsons. And I think he was one of these players that I just watched extra games just for the enjoyment of it. I kind of done my notes. I'd done my scouting. I'd got my notes from podcasts. I got everything sorted, but I was just, like, I was just sticking with game on because, you know, you just love to watch this guy. I, I love the versatility as well. And um, for a team like Detroit, who are probably going to find their way over the next few years, probably not going to be a contender, you know, trying to build up towards that. You've got a guy who you can move around the defense, which is really, really important. Because obviously he came to Penn State as an edge rather than a linebacker, developed into that linebacker. And yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, like I say, he's going to have an impact. Um, from day one, really, because he's going to make plays, he's going to make splash plays, he's on-field demeanour. It's a bit like, obviously, we're going to relate things to the Chargers all the time, but it's one of these players like Derwin James where he just gets the energy of the crowd and the energy is going to be flowing through him every time he makes a big play and it's going to get a lot of people on side. Pete, have you got any concerns about all the off-field stuff that's kind of coming out? I know we're not really privy to that sort yeah. of thing. But... I think if that was anything more concrete too, I'm not aware of all the details, to be fair, that, that would that would possibly play into the, the consideration and the decision, but I'm not worried overtly about it, to be fair. That's fair. Yeah, we, do, we don't know the details, do we? As outsiders looking in on that situation. No, all we can do is look at, uh, at the player and, and evaluate what's in front of us without knowing medicals and stuff like that. So I'm up with the Panthers. Uh, I was cursing the last two picks pretty much with um, leaving me with the sound of a scraping barrel. However, I'm going for Kyle Pitts, tight end Florida. They have um, not replaced Greg Olson. Um, I'm going to trust in Tepper with uh, doing something big in the um, in in the uh, Deshaun Watson stakes. And I don't. And I and was Pete said earlier about Denver. I fully expect um, Carolina to trump them and do all that is possible to go up and get uh, get their QB. So I don't think for one minute they're going to be staying and picking here. But I can't leave Pitts on the boards. I, I don't believe he'll be playing in line a lot, but I, I just look forward to anyone trying to cover him, to be brutally honest. He's just so dynamic. And uh, it was just an absolute nuisance every time um, you're either watching Florida or watching another game. And then the scoreboard would come on from another game saying, hey, Kyle Pitts has scored again. It's like, oh, there we go again. So that's my pick. Maybe not an exact need with some of the stuff that they do need, like corner and uh, offensive line. 
but I can't leave him there. That's the um, best player available for me. It's all about getting those elite players, as I said earlier. I was expecting a bit more uh, pushback from that, maybe. But okay, uh, Pete with the Broncos. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think they've been quite active in, in the market for getting some of these experienced QBs, and I expect them to try and make a move up if some of the QBs will fall. But I think um, that's why I think they'll go for, for Trey Lance at this spot. I think Drew Locke isn't the answer in Denver. If you have the, the option to upgrade, then do it. Um, as I said before, Drew Locke was the second least accurate pass in the league. I think he's shown much development. But it has been a relatively tricky start with COVID, and I think he, he wasn't the starter when he was drafted. Um, but he, but even then, I think Lance is still a bit raw. But he's got a good arm. I think he makes smart decisions. He's got that stat where he had no interceptions in that in that one year of starting. Um, so you might need to bring uh, possibly a vet in alongside him, or Drew Lock to compete with Trey Lance and see who wins out. But ultimately, Trey Lance to win out there uh, and become the long term starter at Denver. Pete, is he is he QB four for you? <clears throat> Yes, I think Mac Jones has moved up a little bit to be fair and closed the gap. But I think so. The raw physical tools of of Trey Lance separate them from from Mac Jones for me. I think he, he's worthy of of making plays on, on, on with his legs and making something happen there. And I think he's got the more raw tools than Mac Jones. Um, so give him a bit of time to, to develop. I think he will be. And how far is the distance between Lance and whoever you've got as QB three? Um, I think it, I think it's a big distance to be fair, but I think Denver's need is so great that they, they need to do something. I think they might just have another year in purgatory if they keep Drew Lock there. Yeah, I really, I really love the fit for him in Washington just because of like the Cam Newton thing. Now, my issue with Lance, Kieran, you might be able to help me here. You coach, I don't coach. I'm having difficulty in evaluating 17 games and wondering what you can do with that in, in just such a small sample size. He's a third round pick in my head. There, there's so much better quarterbacks available in this draft, but everyone is fixated with the 28 touchdown zero picks. I don't know why everyone's fixated on that. It's not that great a stat when he's playing FCS football. Now I know it's division one, but it's not his mechanics are sloppy. He's not overly accurate. And the only reason he had no interceptions is because uh, North Dakota State are heads and shoulders above pretty much any other team in the FCS subdivision. The, he's just not... The people are just fixated with that stat, and I, and I hate that because football too much now is about optics. And I, I always say, so what have you done for me lately, League? Uh, and what have you done for me lately, Sport? And what's he done for people lately? Two touchdowns and one interception against a vastly undermatched um, team in the weird showcase game, which I didn't like that he agreed to that, putting all of his teammates' health at risk just so he could go out and improve his draft stock. And in my mind, it hurt him. He should be picked in the third round, and then maybe it wouldn't be a waste of a pick because besides some raw talent that could form into something, which, by the way, is the same reason Denver picked Drew Locke, I don't, I don't see anything else there for him. We struggled with that game as well. We, we talked about that and thought, all you can do is harm. And, and I think, not that you want to just go off that one game, but uh, to be fair to him. But um, yeah. And, I, and I, not just COVID, the, the fact that somebody could have got injured. We see yeah, how sure. often injuries happen in college football. All it takes is one of his receivers to get blindsided or one of his offensive linemen to slip and that guy potentially 
doesn't get an undrafted free agent contract or maybe doesn't get the opportunity to play again and, yeah. and ruins their future. So I didn't like that. It was a very selfish move. But I understand, you know, a lot of these a lot of quarterbacks in particular have a very nice upbringing. They're not used to being told no. And that's why he, he was fine with the game happening because he's used to being gifted everything in his life. And I just, I just don't think he's the quarterback he's making people out to be. I know I'm kind of known for my controversial picks and maybe I have a couple of hot takes, but, and I'm going to sound like an asshole here, but I'm not normally wrong. So uh, I'm very firmly planting my flag as him as a third round pick. Yeah. You see, I thought, um, Pete just got jealous because I took a tight end off the board and he wanted one. So hence he thought he'd, uh, <laughs> he'd, he'd pick one there at the Denver. Um, I'm looking forward to this pick. Um, Dallas Cowboys, Lee. Okay. Okay. I, I want to know why you're looking forward to it so much. <laughs> and just more because I think they've got a number of these and you could go in a number of different directions. And I think the board looks as if uh, you very much could. Yeah, it's pretty favourable for Dallas at the moment at this moment in time, isn't it? There's not a great deal of those needs off the board. We're doing a mock draft where we play, we're picking the players that we would pick, right? So we're not, you know, maybe taking it into the most realistic or the kind of consensus way of thinking. So one of the biggest needs I feel like for the Cowboys at the moment is the corner. And I my cornerback number one is JC Horn, and I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna take it. And you're not gonna see that in a mock draft anywhere else at the moment. Um, so I know I'm out on a limb on this one. But going back to what I said about Michael Parsons, JC Horn's another player that I just couldn't get enough tape of. I just wanted to watch him and watch him and watch him and watch him. He's a bona fide cornerback one candidate moving forward. And I just think like he's going to grow and grow and grow in the league. And you've got a couple of other corners, obviously, Caleb Farley and Patrick Satane. I don't like them as much. Maybe they're good players. Yeah, well, they are good players, no, maybe about that. But I just don't like them as much. I just really enjoyed watching, watching Horn. He's got size, he's got the frame, he's got that alpha mentality as well, which I think you need in that cornerback one role and he's just so physical and so aggressive he's probably going to attract a few flags in the nfl you know in year one maybe until he learns to kind of step off a little bit but one thing i really liked first of all we've gone back to kyle pitts against florida horn was guarding kyle pitts and that is no mean feat and you know i'm not going to say he came off better but he definitely held his own i think a little bit and if anyone wants to go and see and watch jc horn film go and watch the auburn game (laughs) from this past year where he absolutely dominated Seth Williams. I know Seth Williams isn't a first-round pick or anything like that, but he's a good, he's fairly good for, you know, wide receiver in the SEC. Absolutely dominated him, got two picks. I think he took one to the house as well for six points. So just a player, like I say, just can't get enough of. So, yeah, if it was me, if I was Jerry Jones or whoever's making the decisions in Cowboys Stadium right now, uh, yeah, JC Horn at 10 would be the pick. Kieran nodding enthusiastically on that one. Uh, look, I prefer... Caleb Farley, but I don't think JT Horn is a bad quarterback by any means. And I also think him and um, Caleb are the two most NFL-ready guys. Not discounting Satane, uh, but Lee will notice in the Canva thing soon that my ratings will be changing after watching a little bit more film on both players. Um, Yeah, I I, I think him and Caleb are neck and neck as well. I think it's literally he's just arguably had better performances, the Bents better competition more recently. So it really is the smart pick to take JC. Okay, I'm up with the Giants. And this is an interesting one for me to be in. So we've got fallers on receivers here. Do you know what? The problem is my wide receiver one is Devonta Smith. I just, you have to look at production. Route running, contested catches, 
reminds me a bit of uh, of Diggs in a way that he doesn't look that big, but yet contested catches. He's one of the best in the NFL for it. And Smith was pulling in um, balls that he had he had no right in doing so. Waddle also available at the moment with the pure speed. This is this is Daniel Jones' last season if they don't do something here, and you don't want to leave any excuses for for that. They've also got um, and they've also got a neither edge. Rousseau is here, and I can see someone like the Giants really liking him. I think they like uh, they like a lot of length. Giants draft Giants was always a kind of a phrase known. I'm a little concerned in that Smith is a bit similar to some of the receivers they've got now, but he's a considerable upgrade for it. And I've got to stick to my own guns on this because otherwise I'd just get laughed off our own podcast, basically. So I'm going to Devonta Smith from Alabama. Pete, you're going to be shaking um, your head. No, to be fair, it was just when you're talking about uh, Smith as one of the sort of top three or four pick. That's that would be my concern. I think the, the physicality and the his, his body shape to 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 be a real sort of force in the, in the league is something I, I'd question. There's no one of his build, his height, and his weight that's necessarily been a success. And that's unless he puts a bit of weight on. And but it doesn't, that doesn't really show on tape either. So you are just sort of looking at the numbers on, on the sheet and why he can't be successful. But on, on screen, I don't think necessarily shows that. So that's the only concern I've got. But obviously, he's a great playmaker and the Heisman winner. And I think he's, if he can adapt to the physical side of it, it'll be a real uh, help to Daniel Jones there to take the next step because he's sort of plateaued a little bit, I think, Daniel Jones. There's one who's his size and weight uh, who's made a success of it, and that's Deshaun Jackson. Though he doesn't have the burner speed that that Jackson does. Where did, where are you two guys on Smith? Is he further down and Waddle better, or oh, he's wide receiver one for me? I know Kieran disagrees, obviously, as you said. Homer before. pick. <laughs> Maybe he's, he's known for those as well. Um, he's just like you said, Kev. He's just he doesn't look like he should be good at football. He, he looks like you know. He's a paperweight at the end of the day. And as Pete says, you know, people are worried about outliers, but you can't argue with the production. You can't argue with how he actually gets it done as well. You know, he goes up, he gets it. He's got incredible hands. And, you know, arguably he was the best wide receiver for Alabama last season when they had Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs as well. So, yeah, both wide receiver one for me. Um, not too much between Smith and Jamal Chase or Jalen Muddle for that matter. Um, you know, we're, we're blessed at the top of the the draft class for this position. But yeah, uh, Devonta Smith coming off that season, especially after being a great performer last season before that as well. I think his landing spot's actually really important as well, just on what Pete said there. I don't think he can go anywhere and be a success, whereas someone like Chase probably could fit in any, anywhere. I think his landing spot is really important um, and he shouldn't, not that he has any say in it, but if he goes to the wrong place, I can see, you know, first season bust instantly uh you know people not having it but uh okay 49ers lee back to you um yeah this is this is a really nice board for the 49ers i think i think they've got a lot of choice you know they've got a couple of the corners on the board still they've got a couple of the offensive linemen again um but again i mean i'm gonna go the way that i think i'm making good friends with pete tonight because i'm gonna take another offensive lineman uh this one for me is a great scheme fit um and it's elijah vera tucker to go to san francisco uh, we know that Carl Shanahan likes offensive linemen who can move. We know he likes to utilize them in the run game on pulling and getting really creative in that scheme. And it's a scheme that I absolutely love, to be honest with you. If I could handpick one coach to be the Chargers head coach at some point in the future, it'd be Carl Shanahan. Um, but yeah, getting back to ABT, 
it also allows San Francisco to be flexible in the future. Obviously, Trent Williams is not getting any younger. I thought he was quite good at tackle last year for USC, um, but I think you're going to kick him inside to guard in year one, let him play on the inside, maybe kick him out afterwards. And, you know, you like I say, you're going to still utilise that uh, versatility and that athleticism because Carl uh, Shanahan's going to get him out pulling and, and being that athletic monster that he is. And like I say, maybe he can take over from Trent Williams later on. Does make me nervous for my next pick for my Chargers, though, because I'm left with uh, one less offensive lineman to pick, but we'll get on to that in a second. Kudos on you for not uh, doing mock draft collusion to yourself. Um, <laughs> Pete? Yeah, he, he has shot up in draft boards, especially with his player tackle. I think he looked really solid, uh, except for the Oregon game. Again, I think that's the one which people sort of knocking for going against Thibodeau who really um, got into his number one pick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Bear that in mind as well, I guess, sort of getting into his chest and controlling his chest. And, uh, but before that, I guess every other game, he was, he was really solid. His footwork seemed good. He's got a vice like drip. Once he gets his hands on, he mirrors really well and quite deep into the set as well. Uh, And you say, getting onto that second level, I remember watching the Arizona game and absolutely dominating at the second level and driving people back, really good at locating his targets and engaging them and, and sustaining those blocks so I've got no doubt it'll be a success there as well as the future at left tackle but I think put him a guard at year one for the right thing to do Okay, Homer pick It is, it's a Homer pick There's only one place that we can go I will be upset if there's not a left tackle at number 13 for the Chargers um, It does leave me in a bit of a sticky situation with the way that everything's fallen I've got three players that I want the Chargers to have a pick of on draft night on the, on the Thursday evening and that is Rashawn Slater who went super early uh, Elijah Tucker, who, like you say, I kind of <laughs> didn't save for myself, and the guy who I've actually taken, which is Christian Darasaw out of Virginia Tech. This is my offensive tackle number two, but it's not my second choice player, which kind of sounds a bit bizarre. What I want is what I've just said for Elijah Tucker. I want that flexibility with the Chargers because, as a Chargers fan, I know that I want my almost superstar quarterback to be on his feet more often than not. I think we need to get two offensive linemen and I think drafting someone like Slater or Elijah Tucker allows us to be more flexible later down the line, whereas Darasol doesn't. Darasol kind of backs me into a bit of a hole next round that I'm going to need to take an interior guy, whereas those other two guys can have that flexibility. However, Darasol, great player. Like you say, really strong, uh, great run blocker, needs to work on his passing, uh, block, pass blocking a little bit. And also needs to get a bit more aggressive, I feel. I feel like he's a bit more, I described him on our podcast as a bit more of a doorman rather than a backstreet brawler. He kind of just jockeys people away. He doesn't want to get into a fight or anything like that. Like when we get into these, maybe later in the first round, we're getting some interior linemen who do want to get into fights and brawls. Um, but it's a player that I really like, plays with a lot of control. And uh, hopefully, I'll say that big, you know, with a lot of emphasis on it, hopefully we'll be the left tackle for the Chargers for the next 10 years, protecting Justin Herbert. Kieran, every year in the draft, there's always a player that drops the same tri- team in everyone's mock drafts. This always seems to be here as well. Every, whenever, whenever there's mock drafts, Darisol always drops the charges and the charges are always taking him in whomever's mock draft you look at. Do you like the pick? It's not who I had mocked to them, but thinking that they need an offensive lineman is probably a lot smarter. My pick was even between uh, Quitty Pay or Christian Barmore, just because I feel like they need uh, to open up Joey Bosa a lot more. We sin. I am massive on Washington. I think they're Super Bowl contenders for the white quarterback. And it all stems from that defensive line. When you've got a guy who plays like a Deron Payne, who is so disruptive at that nose tackle, can play a three tech, can play a five tech, 
that then opens up your edge rushers. So if you've got a guy like Quitty Pay or Christian Barmore, who's a hand in the dirt, kick you in the mouth football player, who's in there disrupting that line, causing double teams on almost every play. I think that actually would just open up Nick Bosa. Sorry, not Nick, Joey Bosa, the more handsome Bosa brother to go in there and strip balls out of quarterbacks, lay hits on quarterbacks and put some hurt down in, in, in the box there. And maybe I'm going for more flashier picks than an offensive lineman, but I think that's what I'm just going to say it, Lee. I'm sorry. The Chargers were horrible last year. The one bright spot on that team was really Justin Herbert, but their special teams and defense really, really struggled. Their special teams, especially we, we, we saw against my new England Patriots, the, the absolute drubbing that they got. And it was because of their defense, not being able to get to look, Jarrett Stidham went out there and, and threw a couple touchdowns. So that's, you know, how bad their defense was. It's because they can't get to a quarterback effectively, even with Joey Bosa being as good as he is. If you can get a guy in there to take away looks from Joey and maybe leave him one-on-one with a lot of guys, it's just going to up his, uh, maybe make him an 18-sack-a-year guy. Okay, so it's home a pick for me now with the Vikings. uh, And this board is great. Uh, And there's probably, if Mike Zimmer was here, he would be over the moon with the fact that corners are on the board but I'm not Mike Zimmer and I'm not going to go for corners we have had a horrific interior defensive line for uh since Sheldon Richardson left us basically um I think from the three tech spot on teams that play uh 4-3 alignment I believe we've had less pressure from three tech than any other team in the league in the last three years However, I am not going to go Barmore. It just seems a little early um, for him. I do like him a lot, but I just feel it, it, it's a bit early. And again, I have to go with the players I like. Kieran, you mentioned him. I'm a big fan of Quitty Pay. The raw strength, the fact that you, uh, you can play him inside, which is what the Vikings do when they, they used to move Griffin and Hunter around and move him inside. He definitely needs refinement. He definitely needs pass rush moves more than just running over people because he's more bigger and stronger than them but he's a gap shooter and he sees a gap and he goes through it he's my edge one not by much me and lee have spoken about this over uh, over uh whatsapp and twitter and what have you about about edge two um i wouldn't if also just for example if pay had gone here and rousseau was available now rousseau's i'm a bit further down on rousseau but if there's one coaching staff that is got uh, the ability to get the best out of someone like Russo, then I think it's the Vikings with, with Andre Patterson there. But I'm wrapping it in. I have to go with what I believe. Quitty Pay is here for the Vikings. I'm happy. That's the most important <laughs> thing. I'm happy. you got to get your own team's pick right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Pete, fellow Viking fan, you're not happy. No, no, I'm, over the, I'm over the moon, to be fair. Right. I, think he, I think he's probably my edge one as well, to be fair. So it's it's a position of need. I think they can't roll in with, especially Daniil Hunter with a neck injury and DJ Wanham as their, possibly their starter next year. Or Denimbo had the chance to be a starter and fluffed his lines. So he can't do it. We need to get pressure uh, from somewhere, especially that interior wasn't getting pressure either. So quickly paid, I think it's a really good pick. The interior worries me with Michael Pierce coming back and everyone saying it'll be fine next year, Michael Pierce come back. If he comes back over £400, it's not going to work. It's not going to work at all. Plus, he's being put into a very experienced Vikings defensive grouping where I've liked the Vikings defense for uh, the last few years now. They, Where they're so experienced, 
there doesn't need to be much talking pre-play. They, they all know what they're doing. And this is the problem I had with the Buffalo Bills uh, going up against the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Played the game perfectly, but they didn't have the personnel who were experienced around each other to pull off what they needed to pull off. So assignments were getting missed and things were getting dropped when I feel like the, the Vikings are a team that are very, very smart defensively. Everyone knows what they're doing and no, re- rarely drop assignments, if any. Corners didn't at the start of last year, but <laughs> that's another story. Uh, right, you're up, Kieran. New England Patriots, let's go. This is going to surprise a lot of people. Not the pick, but what I'm actually going to say about the pick. Now, for, for me, it was between Rondale Moore and Rashad Bateman, as these are wide receiver two and three for me. And I know what you're thinking. It's because I don't like Alabama. No, my problem with Smith is that he's too small. And I feel like he's going to get hit once and he's going to snap in half. He's built like Tom Brady. It's not, yeah, he's 175 pounds and six foot one. I'm five foot nine and three quarters and 185 pounds. And I'm in pretty good shape. So I think maybe he needs to put a bit of timber on before he attempts to go to the NFL. But I'm going to go for Rashad Bateman. Now, his top end speed isn't amazing. I'm going to be honest with you. But the speed at which he gets to his top speed is absolutely ridiculous. His accelerate his acceleration is unreal. He's 6'2, 210. He's amazing. He he's the way he runs routes, amazing. His hands are great. You're gonna get mad at me. Kind of reminds me of like D Hop in the way he catches the ball, not in the way he actually plays, just the way he uses his hands. He doesn't have to he's not like a Julio Jones or an Antonio Brown where he has to use the the body to catch the ball. He can use his hands independently. And I really like that about him. And look, if new England Patriots rumors are to be believed, we are aggressively, aggressively pursuing every single veteran quarterback in the league. We've talked about Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, even that crazy asshole, big Ben, we're going after everyone. And I think Rashad Bateman is a guy you need. If you're bringing in a veteran quarterback, especially you are not winning games with Jacoby Myers and Julian Edelman. As much as I love those two, Jacoby Myers is an undrafted free agent who might as well be working in Walmart next week. And Julian Edelman is 900 years old. So I think Rashad Bateman is the smartest pick here because he's going to have the most production early on. I mean, there's nothing wrong with old guys with beards, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he's also two foot tall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, congrats on Keenan Allen number two, but who's taking the top off this defense for for this Patriots team? You know, you've got Waddle sat there. You need someone to take the top off, right? Otherwise, everyone's just going to come down on you. You've got no run game. Yeah, that's what why we're going, going after Chris Godwin in free agency, my friend. Okay. okay. <laughs> we'll see. Franchise tag. <laughs> Pete, I'm really annoyed of how the board has fallen because you're sitting okay with the Cardinals. Um, we mentioned the Cardinals last night. All right, they were my team um, among the four of us. We picked, we picked a team who their position in the draft could get really ugly if the ball fell the wrong way. Um, Cardinals have specific needs, but I'm pretty sure what you're now going to do now. Anyway, you've got the pick. <laughs> Yeah, I'm right in saying Caleb Farley's still on the board, isn't he? He is. Yeah, they'd be absolutely over the moon. I think they'd be running the card in if Caleb Farley was there. Um, obviously, he's with Patrick Peterson leaving, Drake Patrick and Jonathan Joseph are free agents as well. Um, cornerbacks are real need. So to have the, the choice of 
two of the top three cornerbacks, which is the worry for them when we were discussing it last night, that the top three could be there, it could be off. Um, so to have, the, to have the choice between Farley and Satane is, is, is ideal for them. So I think they'll, they'll run the card in for, for Cale and Farley. Lee, um, you said uh, JC Horn was ab- above Farley, number two for you? Uh, Farley's number two, yeah. yeah. Despite him not being very experienced at the position, um, he just looks completely natural at it. And that, to me, just means that he's got a super high ceiling. He's got the athleticism. When I had the Dallas pick, the athleticism almost swung me away from the actual guy that I actually wanted to take. Maybe in real life, Dallas will take Farley because that's probably what they'll do. Because they'll maybe be looking to replace Byron Jones and that athleticism that he had. But obviously for me, it's, it's Horn. And that's why I went, considering this is the way that we're doing the the draft, but yeah, no, Farley for me, um, yeah, feeling super high and, and a great, great player that will be a very good player in the league for a long time and replace Patrick Peterson if he does go to Arizona. So, as you say, we're doing it with picks that we would make. Um, fallers, Satan and Waddle both still here. I, yeah, I'd be, I'd be stunned if that happened, absolutely stunned if that happened on the day, but interesting There's stuff. There's always a there couple is, of five, isn't there? And every year people say he won't fall, he won't fall, but someone has to. There's only you know, the 16 picks and the 16 people who can get picked and someone's going to be picked at 17. Uh, so, Kieran, Raiders. So, to get in the mindset of a Raiders GM drafting picks, I drank five bottles of fire and five-hour energy. I had a bunch of coffee and then I ran around my house like a mad rabbit for, um, I don't know, a couple hours uh, just to get into that mindset. And I thought, who are they going to pick? Because they... they they tend to go for just the fastest player on the board. But then I calmed down a bit. The caffeine crash hit me and I thought they should go after someone who's actually going to benefit them. So I've gone for, wait, has Christian Barmore come off the board yet? I've still nope. got, I haven't crossed him off. So yeah, Christian Barmore, they need someone in there to help Clellan Farrell. He's one of the original Power Rangers is Clellan, and he really needs that help. And Barmore can do that. He can really open up holes in an opposing offense's offensive line and help them really get my man Missile Dreaming at the quarterback and really pick up the production on that defense. Now, he's just a big disruptive guy. I think he, I've got him above Quitty Pay personally, but I think that might have just been recency bias in, in me watching him more recently and maybe having him in my mind above there. Uh, I probably should have gone for a true Raiders pick and just picked whoever's 40 timers the fastest, even if it was like a punter or something. But uh, yeah, I, I just think this is a smart pick for the Raiders. Augments their defense. I don't think Derek Carr's going anywhere. I think with guys like Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro, very solid receivers and Foster Moreau and Darren Waller catching passes. I don't think any of these guys are going anywhere. And I think they're quite good on offense. We saw we saw that. And I think they just add another defensive lineman to just sort of given that pressure. We saw them bring it against Kansas City, but they couldn't replicate that for the rest of the season. I think that's because they didn't have a piece like Barmore on that defensive line really disrupting things. Yeah, I was looking at the stats and Gus Bradley seems seem to blitz the least in, in the league. So they need to generate pressure from that front four. So I guess it's an outstanding pick. It's a non-Raiders pick, so you, the integrity of the draft is now thrown out the window because it's a yeah, really I, good pick. But we'll I, take I, that. I, f- I think if a kicker comes in and runs like a 4-2-40, he'll probably go off the board. And now he'll, you know, he'll miss 30 yarders, but they'll still maintain that it was a good pick because he's the fastest. But yeah, I, I just had to think something that I think was smart for them and they need to pick up that production off the defensive line because 
they're, they're playing games really well, don't get me wrong. But when your defense is just letting teams ram the ball down your throat, which is kind of the Raiders' whole identity with guys like Josh Jacobs and big blocking tight ends like Foster Moreau, yeah, you just need somebody who's going to, you know, create that disruption and able you get guys to the quarterbacks or force quarterback, quarterbacks to throw it out. Just pick up on something you said there. You see Quitty Pay as an inside guy. Yeah. Because if you watch him play inside, he is very, very disruptive. Now, I know he's explosive, but for me, he doesn't have that elite first step you see from good edge rushers like um, the Bosa brothers, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. He doesn't have that elite first step. Now, while he is explosive, that elite first step is a massive thing that edge rushers need. It's one of the first things you teach the guys coming off the edge. You need to have that first step. And some people just don't have it. And it can't be taught as easily. It's a very instinctive thing for a lot of these guys. And I think Quitty Pay would benefit from being more inside because he's going to draw a lot of double teams and he's going to cause a lot of disruption. But I like Barmore more for that because he is bigger, he is stronger, and he is... Football players, look... Uh, who was the Eagles quarterback during the 80s? He said he hated lining up against Lawrence Taylor because it was intimidating. Uh, and Barmore has the more intimidating look. So people are going to, when you hear the quarterbacks calling out their audibles and stuff, you know they're going to be calling double teams on him because he, he is big. He does draw that attention. He is so disruptive. You're going to need to have more double teams on him. And I think that's why Quitty Pay. Uh, would be good on the inside as well because he can draw those double teams because people know how powerful he is. But between the two of them, I think Christian Barmore's better. But yeah, Quitty Pay works way better inside, especially for a team who have a decent edge rusher. He will just create more disruption, which, look, it won't it won't be on the stat sheet. Of course it won't. But it will enable other guys to be more productive. And, and like I said, Deron Payne is one of my favourite players in the league. He doesn't have the stats, but... He, he opens it up for all the other players on his team. He's a big reason why um, uh, Young was the defensive rookie of the year this year, because he creates that disruption and opens gaps for other players. Absolutely. But funny enough, when people, me and people were talking earlier about the Vikings, you said about Odenigbo, he was double-teamed more than... Sometimes he was like the fifth most double-teamed player in the league, which just shows you how bad the middle of the Vikings line must have been if, you, <laughs> if you're double-teaming him. It's, it's quite frightening, to be honest. Uh, right, we go Dolphins, Lee. Well, I mean, we've been talking about people and teams being delighted about where the ball, the board has fallen. Obviously, we've got a massive slider in Jalen Waddle. Some people's wide receiver one, and, you know, he's still sat there for Miami. And I've given two of some protection. The next thing they need, if not the first thing they need, and switch it around is a weapon. It's a no-brainer. I have to say Jalen Waddle, there's nothing more I can really say. Just give him that speed. You give him to a legitimate weapon, which... They don't really have... I'm not a big fan of Devontae Parker as wide receiver one. I think he's a decent wide receiver two. Um, who else do they have? You know, I think Andy on our podcast, Dolphins fan described everyone else as garbage man. Outside of that, so yeah, there's only one direction which I can go in, really, and that's pick Jay in the model. A player that they may even consider at number three. Yeah, he's going to be pretty elated with this if uh, if they come walking away with, with what they've got at the moment. Uh, yeah, we've spoken about it already. Not not much more to say on that. Uh, so, to Washington, the football teamers, Kieran. This pick's going to surprise a lot of people. And, and I, may, I may get called biased, but hear me out. Who's a six-foot-four wide receiver with great speed who you could pair with Terry McLaurin to turn Taylor Heineke into possibly one of the best quarterbacks in the league? Oh, my God. Anyone? Anyone? Oh, my God. Terrence Marshall Jr. out of 
LSU, quickly becoming wide receiver U at this point. Now, before Lee's going to sit here and laugh and call it bias, it's not bias. I've actually sat down and thought about this quite a lot. Terry McLaurin is the speedster on that team. He is wide receiver one. He's going to be wide receiver one for a long time. With their re-signing of Tana Heineke, the possibility of them going after Cam Newton, they're going to need a big guy who distracts from Terry McLaurin, who can run on the outside, who has great ball skills, who is huge and is versatile. And Terrence Marshall Jr. is possibly the most versatile wide receiver in this draft. It's not just his size that benefits him because... Look, if you line up against a six foot four wide receiver, I don't care who you are as a corner or a safety, you're going to be a little bit concerned. Uh, and you're probably going to have more guys. It's This is going to be more about opening up Terry McLaurin than it is Terrence Marshall Jr. being a threat. He's great in the red zone. His size means he bullies people a lot. If you stick him on like a goal line fade or something, you can just high point the ball. He's going to go up there and get this. The only reason I'm, I've got him over guys like Rondale Moore particularly is because Rondale Moore is not going to fit the scheme they have going in Washington right now. And I don't think they need any more help on defense. And there's no good quarterbacks that I think fit the system as well as the guys they've got in there right now. I truly believe in Tana Heineke. I'd like to see maybe Alex Smith come back. And also the idea of Cam Newton being there is intriguing. But Terrence Marshall Jr. is big enough, strong enough, and has good enough ball skills that he's going to distract a lot from Terry McLaurin. It's really going to open this Washington football team uh, offense up. Lee, thoughts? It's, I mean, you saw me on the camera just as he was building up to it because I knew it was going to come. Yeah, I think he's been a bit biased. I think he just loves LSU a little bit too much. It's very, very rich for me. Uh, Marshall is probably wide receiver six for me. Not a player I like. Obviously, I know Kieran's going to love him. You know, he got the national championship game. I can see the logic, you know, playing the Robin to, to Batman of uh, Terry McLaurin. It's the role that he played in that LSU winning, uh, LSU championship winning team, you know, when he had uh, Jamar Chase and uh, Justin Jefferson. And he got to play that, like I say, supporting role. Like I say, super rich for me. I can see the logic. I just think he could probably be done in the second round. This pick is more about McLaurin than it is... Terence Marshall Jr. And then purely the reason I have picked him, I probably would have picked him if it was another school, just maybe not Ohio State, is because of the size and how he looks and how that's going to draw a lot of attention away from McLaurin. McLaurin's quite a slight guy, and although he's fast, defences are going to be really confused about a guy this big playing on the outside, and, and I think he really ups their production. And like I said, the big thing when he's not helping out McLaurin and taking looks away from him is in the red zone. He is huge. You can high point the ball. And he's got an insane vertical that you've seen at, at some of the camps. So uh, this pick is more about McLaurin, but I still think he can be productive down the line. Pete, two wide receivers off the board. Waddle's obviously a bit of a surprise with this, with him dropping that far. With the rest of us, what do you make of the Marshall pick? Um, I I think, like, like, like Lee said, it's a bit rich, possibly. Um I think we had we had our punk versus punk challenge, didn't we, with Kadarius Tony versus Terence Marshall on our episode? And I was arguing for Kadarius Tony above Marshall, but I think for Washington, Marshall's possibly a better fit. But I still question whether Marshall's got great hands. There's quite a few drops on his tape, and I'd like to be him to be more physical at the catch point as well. I don't. I think that's what Justin Jefferson was really good at, and that's why some of the critics of Jefferson coming out were about him being in the slot only. But he was really physical at the catch point as well. Um, so I think Marshall. It's, it's a bit rich. Okay, well, you are back-to-back picks, Kieran, so you're next with the Chicago Bears. 
Yeah, uh, a guy who I've talked about already, who's going to be ideal for the Bears to open up, you know, Trubisky staying. So they're going to go with Rondell Moore, who, in my opinion, is the best wide receiver left on the board. Say you don't like the pick. I think it's a great pick. I think he's possibly wide receiver three. I agree with what Lee said. Terrence Marshall is wide receiver six, but I had reasons for putting him in Washington. And I think Rondell Moore is going to open it up. If they do go forward with everyone's favorite NVP, that's right. Nickelodeon's most valuable player, Mitchell Trubisky. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's just going to uh, open up something that, you know, Alan Roberts has gone. I think that's a foregone conclusion. And if you want a guy who can slot into that position, it is Rondell Moore. He's fast. He's agile. He flips his hips. Well, you know, I get joked on a lot about talking about players' hips, but it's very important for creating transitions deeper down the field. And I think Rondell Moore does it. Now, I'm not throwing showed on Kadarius Tony because I think he's a great player as well. I just think Rondell Moore is head and shoulders above him. And like I said, I agree about wide receiver six, Lee, but let's go up to Rondell Moore. And I think he opens up this Bears offense a little bit more and kind of feels like they probably are going to go with Mitchell Trubisky this season. I know there's a lot of talk. If but they've got to give him weapons, and Rondale Moore is the best available weapon for him right now. They've already got Darnell Mooney to do that role, that kind of little guy down the field role. Moore's probably better, but and the serious well lack of uh, lack of being on the on the on the field is is an issue for me. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I, but the thing I look at when I, I look at picks and I watched, I don't always necessarily look at production. I look at how they, you know, how they affect the rest of the offense and how they affect the opposing defense and his speed and agility. He gets open so much on the middle of the field or just outside the numbers. Mitchell Trubisky is not a comfortable natural thrower of the football. So if he can get open down the middle a lot, that's going to just open up a lot of passing opportunities for Mitchell Trubisky. And with these two speedsters, it opens up so much more because one of them is going to have to be double double covered. And we know you can't single cover either of these gentlemen. So it's just going to open up a lot more for the Bears. And it's kind of a flashy pick from me. But still, I, I just think it's the best thing you can do to help Mitchell Trubisky succeed, given that there's no really elite tight ends left after Kyle Pitts is gone. There's tight end. They, uh, they need some more. Uh, Pete, over to you with the Colts. Yeah, and Colts are quite an interesting one because I think they're quite well placed with the, the, the cap space that they've got to plug any gaps and they're also probably a, uh, an attractive team for any free agent because of the top, top half a dozen teams that I've got a lot of cap space the Colts are the ones you'd think that could be a, a contender so I imagine they'll be able to plug some of those gaps there they've got Xavier Rhodes he's a free agent so he might be B-side uh, left tackle's an issue but I think with Carson Wentz being there they might want to go and get a free agent left tackle, Villanueva or Trent Williams even make a run him because he's a free agent. Because we know what Carson Wentz is like behind a poor offensive line. If you get any pressure, he crumbles a little bit. Uh, but with their their edge rushers leaving, I think I'm going to go for Aziz or Jalari um, to, to step in there. I think they might re-sign Justin Houston or Danico Autry. Um, but I think Aziz or Jalari is the, the best edge rusher that's left on the board. I think he's got really good bend and burst. I think it allows him to attack the edge at full speed. And he's got surprisingly strong hands and punch for his frame as well. Because I think he looks quite lean. But he's got he's got a, a really wicked cross chop. I think that's probably the best in the class. Uh, I think he might need to develop that frame to become more stout against the run. But I think if they do re-sign Autry or Houston, they can possibly uh, 
ease him into the situations until he gets more stout against the run. Lee, he's your edge one still. Oh yeah. Yep. Big time. Yeah. He's head and shoulders with the rest of the class for me. Um, the only first round grade I handed out for that position. Um, I actually think he's better than he gets credit for against the run. Um, his array of pass rush moves isn't the widest, but he's got kind of a variation on that cross drop quite a lot and he wins in different ways with it. So I'm not really concerned. Obviously, that can be coached, that can be added to, you know, getting a veteran to kind of run alongside, getting a good defensive line coach or outside linebackers coach, whoever's going to coach him up. And I think you've got a player with an infinite season. Again, one of these players, third, fourth player that I've said it about, could not get enough tape. I just wanted to watch him, watch him, watch him. And yeah, like I said before, head and shoulders above. I think it's an absolute steal in, what is it, the mid-20s right now? Um, no, just at the beginning of the 20s. I think it's an absolute steal. For me, he would have been my pick for the Vikings. I know you guys watch the Vikings way more than I do, but I'd have I'd have gone for him um, for, for the Vikings pick because I think he's got that versatility of being an outside linebacker and also having his hand in the dirt as well. So scheme versatile. I really like him. He's my edge two behind pay. They're both very different players and win in different mm-hmm. ways. Um, there was a couple of alarming things in, in certain snaps I saw of him. When he kind of takes his first step and bounds in, both his feet leave the floor occasionally. That's that's a worry. That needs to be coached out of him. That will not end well at the next level at all. He doesn't have any counters at the minute at all. And that but that can be coached. And I'd love to see him because he hits that edge so well. I'd love to see him get give himself a spin move, get taught a spin move, because that's just going to be devastating. Somebody's going to completely lean and they're just going to leave the inside completely free. Pete, I'm not even talking to you right now for taking that pick off the Titans. The Titans were one of the worst teams last year at getting pressure. Um, I really was sitting here quite smug thinking Ojolari was going to fall. However, the board is not bad from an edge perspective at all. Rousseau is still there. Phillips is still there. Osai is still there. Um, they need help now. And this might surprise people because I'm going to leave Rousseau there. I'm going for Osai. I'm going more for the motor, more for the energy. Um, I think Vrabel could do quite a lot of things with Osai in different uh, different places, lining him up all over the place. This guy runs all day. He must have like a battery pack on his back. He just never stops. And even when he's the other side, uh, on the back side of the play, when somebody when there's a pile of players, suddenly you just see him come from out of nowhere. He never stops. He's got powerful hands. Again, needs to be taught, needs some counter moves. But... I like the way that he does keep his uh, his play discipline. There was a, a couple of um, a couple of games where he will he was watching at the mesh point for the handoff, and as soon as he realised the QE was keeping it, he would then he'd do a pull and a rip and, and make his move and a swim move. So um, I'm leaving Russo there. I'm going for Osai. Any where does he sit in your edges? I think off of my head about pulling up my rankings, I think he's about six because I don't like how much off the ball linebacker he played. I know, like you say, that can be a good thing because that gives him movability and versatility, especially in a, a good a good defense, sorry, such as the Titans, if he does go there. But grading him as an edge rusher for that, I don't really see a great deal of development at the moment. And that really knocked him down for me. I do agree that the ceiling's there. And I do agree that going into the NFL, being able to move him around, then yeah, you're going to get a great player in your hands. I'm not sure if he's going to go in the first round, if I'm perfectly honest. But you know, he's going to be a good NFL player because someone is either going to harness that versatility and move him around and make him that chess piece on the front seven or just make him into a pure edge rusher and utilise his 
high motor and like you say, all the other attributes that you've mentioned. Kieran, nodding. Yeah, in agreement with Lee, basically. I don't know, like, played a lot of off-the-ball linebacker, maybe too much to be a legitimate edge threat. And like you said, there's concerns with his feet and stuff, and he definitely needs some coaching up. So I maybe think a bit of a reach in the first round, but I picked Terrence Marshall Jr. in this first round, so I really have no room to criticize anyone reaching for anyone. Yeah, I, I, I think his versatility is the biggest thing, but you're not going to have to, you're not going to be strictly playing him off the edge a lot. I think probably 30 snaps a game, you'll have him on the edge, and then maybe the other 30, you'll have him, you know, uh, off the ball linebacker. And, and I think that versatility would work. I like the scheme fit um, more than if you've got uh, Simmons and Landry there. I like the fact that you can just, you know, as you say, drop him around. He didn't look totally comfortable in space when he was dropped into coverage, but. Um, I think the issue with me when, well, perhaps we'll get onto it when Rousseau is picked. Um, I believe I am up next uh, with the Jets. Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, So I've still got Rousseau. I've still got Phillips. Hmm. However, I am going to go for a player. I love watching. I love the fact that he can be a defensive chess piece. Jeremiah Wissukoromoa from Notre Dame. Absolutely love him. He mm. he's a player I want to watch play the play the game, watch him fly around, watch him line up all over the place, rushing, dropping, and man, does he hit for a guy who's kind of 215, 220. See what his uh, his weight comes in at. Um, I think he can be so versatile there. The Jets desperately just need players and playmakers all over the place. I always joke on our pod that they need a Noah's Ark draft. They need two of everything. Um, and <laughs> for me, this is a this is a perfect landing spot for him. Again, I've left Rousseau there, but we can maybe talk about him when when, when, uh, when he comes off. How's that for the pick? Have I redeemed myself? Draft. <laughs> I've, I've changed my mind on him as a player. Definitely. I, I, I had him graded as third round just because I, wow. I hadn't really I hadn't really seen enough and what I liked eh, was kind of on the fence about it but after seeing how much of a versatile playmaker he can be look, the, the thing was was his size but it was then watching his side to side speed and things like that and the fact that he's not afraid to just drop his shoulder and lay someone the hell out and I really liked that kind of gave me little glimpses of what Devin White was when he was at LSU, just a very fast side-to-side playmaking linebacker. And after being kind of chastised uh, by the full 10 yards college team, I then went back and watched some more tape on him. And I I think now he's very comfortably a first round pick. Now he's a risk for sure. He's not boom or bust though, because his floor is incredibly high, but his ceiling is astronomical. So I think that's a smart pick if you're willing to work with this kid and coach him up. Kev, one thing I wanted to ask you about this was, obviously we've got Patrick Satane that's still on the board. He's sliding heck of a lot now. Did he come into your thinking at all with this one? Um, I wanted edge or playmaker at linebacker. They do need corners. Um, they're, they're picking again soon. Um, I, I, I just think Satane is a... How can I put this? It, he just does everything well but I don't see anything that makes me think he should be picked in the top 10, for example. He probably will because of the needs of the teams that sit there. But um, 
I really like Arusu Koromero a lot. I think he's so much fun to watch, as I say, um, and has no regard for his own body when he's he's flying around out there. So, yeah, let's um, let's go. The Steelers next with Pete. Yeah, well, Pittsburgh, I think they're in real cap hell, and it would almost be better for them if they cut Roethlisberger, but I can't imagine that happened. They're quite a loyal organisation, so I can't imagine them cutting Roethlisberger. I think he's going to come back. They, um, they just said today that they're bringing him back next season. Right, and there you go. So that's, um, unless he sort of uh, renegotiates his deal or restructures his deal, they are in a bit of cap hell. Um, and I think we've got a few needs, and I think running back's one of them, but I think that's far too much of a luxury that they're going to... Uh, be able to be, take a, a running back with the uh, in the draft. I think we'll have to find one in free agency there. Uh, but the, I know they are losing a few offensive linemen. Pouncey's retired. Filer and Bill and the waiver are both free agents. I don't think we'll be able to afford to bring them back. So I've gone uh, with offensive tackle Dylan Ravens from North Dakota State. Um, big massive fan of that. He's closer to being my offensive tackle. Thing. He's just behind Darisaw. Uh, for my offensive tackle three. I think he looked excellent in that one game against Central Arkansas. I, I really, really like the depth he gets on his kick slide, as well as being able to, to really push people off the ball in the wound game as well. Um, I think when he looked at the, the senior ball, his anchor really stood up well in those pass rush drills. Um, so that, that was what I was a slight concern about coming from a lower level. And again, in that Central Arkansas game where he's running down the field uh, in convoy with, with the uh, running backs, um, it's something that really, really impressed me. Um, so I think they also use him as guard as well at the senior ball, which I'm not entirely sure why you'd, you'd do that with his frame and with his footwork and with his technique. But it's with the, with the caps hell they might find themselves in. They might have a mishmash of players thrown together on that offensive line. So that's a bonus for them as well. I'll go for Dylan Radens. You weren't tempted with Sammy Cosby, Pete? No, I'm not a fan of Sammy Cosby's technique. I think he's, he needs to go to somewhere where it's, uh, he can either sit free or not, not for a contender, I guess. So it might, might be the Steelers next year, I guess. But I think Ravens, I think, is uh, a better prospect than, than Cosby. Okay. Uh, Lee, over to you for all the Jags. Let's get wild. Yeah. You went, you went safe with number one. Let's go crazy. <laughs> I did. Um, I'm going to do something a bit controversial because... Uh, it's not a position that I would like to take at this position in the draft at 25 overall. But I'm going to go for a running back because I'm going to give Trevor Lawrence a friend in the backfield. I don't believe that um, James Robinson is it, the, the undrafted free agent. I don't believe that he's a long-term solution. I feel like he'll be a good second piece, you know, kind of in a committee. Um, I'm looking at the Jags' overall draft. And I'm thinking, yeah, they need a tackle. But despite Pete going ahead and taking a very good one with the previous pick. I feel like with pick 33, not too far away, I feel like I'll be able to get a decent tackle for the Jags at that pick. So there's no need really to dive in here. With the amount of capital that the Jags have got, I can maybe afford a bit of a luxury pick. So as much as I don't like to take running backs in the first round, especially not 25th overall, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to reunite Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. He's not my running back one, again, but I'm kind of going for that fit between Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. They kind of know each other. They've had a lot of success together. And yeah, that's my pick. I'm going for that one instead of Najee Harris, which may be controversial. So I guess the challenge back to you is you've got Satan again sitting there. Could you not have got Satan and then Etienne with the next pick? Sure, um, I could, but I want a tackle as well. And I believe that after the next couple of tackles go, as I said, Pete's got one, maybe there's going to be one or two coming up in the late 20s and 30s. I'm going to be pretty short of a tackle when I get to 33 if I do that. However, I do think there's a big sweet spot for a lot of guys in the second round, late second round, early third round, where Jackson Miller are going to be picking. 
uh, to get a corner. So I can still pick up a decent corner there. Whereas, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that with a tackle. And like I said, I'm making this a bit of a luxury pick at 25. So I guess question to, to any of you really, everyone wants to answer. They've got, uh, I think, 11 picks, six in the top, uh, top 100. I still want them to have six picks in the top 100, but I don't want them picking where they are. I want them to be really aggressive. They've got a mm. young roster now. I don't see the point in picking these fifth, sixth round, seventh round players when they've already got a lot of inexperienced players on, on the roster now. Do we, are we all, do we all think they're better off really going for it? Three first round picks, for example? They, they need to trade up and they mm. need to be really aggressive. Shed anything that's later than the third round and get as much as you can in those first two, three rounds. Because that team is in hell right now. Uh, Urban Meyer, I don't know how he's going to translate after a long layoff, a bunch of scandal. I don't know if he's going to be in the right mindset to potentially take uh, a terrible franchise, let's be honest, a, a team that's had like barely any winning season since their inception in 1995. It's, oh, it's just, it just looks bad in Jacksonville for me. And I know I, Lee's pick's a very good pick. Uh, I like James Robinson. Uh, I think he is running back one. Travis Etienne couldn't hurt, and it gives us the chance to see highlight reels with reunited, and it feels so good. So that 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 would be the best part of that pick for me is that we can maybe have that on some highlights. But yeah, they need to be aggressive. Get as many picks as you can in those first three rounds because you have a real lack of talent in Jacksonville, and you know their 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 cap's not great because of what they did with you know Nick Foles, man. Whose whose idea was that? He he had one half decent season in uh, Philadelphia, uh, and now everyone wants him. Yeah, he's the hero of a city named after cream cheese, but he's not a good player. He's never had a winning season as a starter. Just for the record, that's a stat I love to wheel out, despite the fact he's a Super Bowl champion. Uh, yeah, they need to be aggressive. I think you have the right mindset there, Kevin. You need to get as many of these earlier picks as you can, and just. Don't even go for scheme fits. Go for literally the best player available because you have nothing else right now. No positions are secure. They don't really have any good players. I really like Gardner Minshew. He's got a fantastic mustache, but he's not an NFL quarterback. James Robinson is about their most talented player right now. Him and DJ Chalk are about the only two guys doing anything at that team. Uh, so I think they just need to get as many picks they can and go after the best players available, not scheme fits. Pete, would you extend Robinson for the Jags? Cam Robinson? Uh, no, like I say, I think you've got that many picks. Yep. You, you, and it's a deep tackle class. I think the second round, you could probably get a, a starting um, tackle in there. That's a sweet spot for them as well. There's still a handful left on the board. Okay, Cleveland Browns, successful season. Lee? Yeah, I was I was pretty mad at you a few picks ago when you took uh, Jeremiah Uzu-Koromoa. I was eyeing him up. I've got it on my prep sheet that I've kind of got my ideal picks for. He's right at the front of the queue uh, for Cleveland. So I'm looking at either a linebacker or I'm looking at an edge player. Um, because we've got Miles Garrett, who, for my money, is the best edge in the whole league. And he's not had too much going on across the other side of him, you know, the last few years. We've got Adrian Claiborne doing something, not too much. Olivia Vernon was a massive, massive letdown. 
what do I want to do? Do I want to take an edge guy? We've been mentioning Gregory Rousseau. We saw Jalen Phillips, who is my edge two. Or do I want to kind of combine the both? Because I've been talking about linebacker and I've been talking about edge. I've got Zayvon Collins on the board as well, who can kind of do both. So I'm going to go for that versatility. I'm going to take Zayvon Collins. He's an absolutely phenomenal coverage linebacker. He can rush off the edge. He can make tackles. He kind of fits everything that the modern NFL wants in a linebacker. Plus, you've got Matt Jones. Uh, no, sorry, Matt, Matt Jones. Getting ahead of myself. Matt Wilson, excuse me, who's also a decent coverage linebacker. So you've got two great coverage linebackers that you need when you're going to be playing sub-package defenses all the time in the NFL. Again, another kind of thing that kind of looking forward into the draft, into the second round, and I'm not doing that tonight, but there's quite a few decent edges that you can get in the second round as well to give Miles Garrett some help. Like you say, take Zayvon Collins, kind of rush him off the edge part-time, but otherwise just prosper with him being a great modern-day NFL linebacker. And you definitely see him as the coverage. I've seen uh, chatter around him being positioned as an edge player. I don't not see that. Me. No, no. Not, he's a linebacker primarily who can rush off the edge. Yeah, uh, similar with obviously um, bringing it back home, but with someone like Anthony Barr, he, mm. he, he rushed with speed. He had no pass moves. It's the same with this guy. He, he wins in one way and, and that's fine. Blitz him. Don't, exactly. don't, don't put him there and make that his primary job. No, he's, on, he's been there to be the fifth or the sixth guy that you send in, you know, because he's got speed and he's got the ability to do it. He's not doing that full time for you, you know, get someone who, who's actually trained to do that role across the role from Miles Garrett. Okay, I'm up with the Ravens. <clears throat> we have edge needs with both uh, Yannick Ngakwe and Matt Judon, um, both being free agents. Uh I have my pick of if I want to be bold and go for a safety over the two starters they've got now who don't particularly set the world alight at all. Uh, we also need interior offensive line as well. I'm going to go for Jalen Phillips here. Again, caveat with, uh, with, with injuries. As you say, we've got, we're not privy to such information. They need someone off the edge. He, and he's, again... For me, it's all about versatility. He can go with uh, his hand down, standing up, and he just blows through contact at the line of scrimmage. I love what he brings. I think he's got busy hands. I, I guess your you knock on him is he's just got one very good season of, of, of production. But um, for me, I think he, he's a phenomenal player, and you can see why he was um, so highly recruited um, by, by UCLA at the time. Pete, do you like the pick? Would you preferred interior lineman here? No, I, I, I don't like the picks. I hadn't lined up for one of my picks later on. So I think Jalen, yeah, it is. Yeah, that, that's all it is. I think Jalen Phillips, of all the sort of the edge rushers that, that are there, he, he might not be the best at any sort of individual component, but he's up in the sort of top two or three, if that makes sense, of each of the individual components of a good edge rusher. So I think uh, if the medicals check out, I think it's, it's a great pick. Okay, up with the Saints. Kieran, you're back. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, we've we've talked about them a lot, but uh, Patrick Sertain, they need someone to pair with Marshawn Lattimore. This defense is losing almost every single piece due to the cap hell they find themselves in, which I think somehow is the worst cap in the NFL, even though the Kansas City Chiefs started this season with like $117, I think, something ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, and they managed to give Patrick Mahomes half a billion dollars. Um, they're basically playing Madden with uh, salary cap turned off, it feels like. But yeah, uh, it appears they're going to move forward with Jameis Winston, which I think is a really good call. 
now the guy can actually see. Uh, and I just think you need a guy to pair with uh, Marshawn Lattimore to cause turnovers. And Patrick Sardane is a very productive cornerback. He's not my cornerback one. He's probably cornerback three for me. Um, and that is behind actually a five foot 11 man out of Washington by the name of Elijah Molden. I'm huge on that guy, but Patrick Sertain, I think is makes the most sense because he is an immediately he's big, he's a playmaker. And I think they can't really make any other picks here that, because they need the secondary to be improved. Marshall Lattimore can't do this all on his own. He is undoubtedly one of the best cornerbacks in the league right now, but you need to pair him with someone else elite to make sure they can turn over that ball. Do you think he'll actually still be there? Do you think they need to trade Lattimore or one of the tackles to actually get below where they need to be? Uh, Look, we're picking what we would pick. And we know from watching uh, as many drafts as we've watched that owners aren't really logical and GMs aren't really logical. Sometimes they pick players based on they like them. Like last year, Bill Belichick had his dog making picks for him. It was insane. And, and we traded out of the first round to get a D2 player by the name of Kyle Duggar, who is an incredibly talented player, but we could have waited until the fourth round to pick him up. So I, I, I think we are making less uh, emotionally charged picks than a lot of GMs were. And But we also can't speak to these players and we maybe don't have the access to the players that the guys would. So I think he'll go earlier purely because of that, because if everything's to be believed from Alabama and Saban, the guy's a leader of men. He's an absolutely incredible team player and he elevates everyone else around him but given that in my eyes he's the best fit for the saints that and he's still available that's why i've put him here like i said he's cornerback free for me i think caleb farley and elijah molden are way better than him but he's a lengthy rangy playmaker who can his pattern matching is fantastic i will say that like people tend to forget about this because the elite elite cornerbacks the big thing you look for besides you know playing good in press and coverage and stuff is their tackling but people forget how important pattern matching is and and certain's a guy who does that you know i've worked with defensive backs a lot and if you get a guy who can pattern match it doesn't matter what his physical attributes are he'll be a playmaker and that's that's what i like about certain above everyone else yeah that is extremely surprising he's made it this far i i remember doing a mock um last year for a minnesota website and uh CJ Henderson vanished from the first round. He didn't get picked in the first round, which was fine by me because I don't rate him. But I'm not very good with corners, so maybe don't listen to anything I have to say at all on corners. Packers, Lee. Yeah, I didn't like CJ Henderson either, to be honest with you. So yeah, maybe we were in the same boat there. Ah, I was worried. I was ready to drop the slide myself. I was. (laughs) (laughs) Please say Mac Jones. Jones. (laughs) <laughs> just to watch Aaron's face. <laughs> um, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I was ready to stop the slide for certain. I was really waiting for that. Um, you know, just to pair him up with Jair Alexander, and that would have been another great cornerback duo that would have been uh, patrolling the the NFC North. Um, yeah, I'm, getting, I'm going to get sensible now. Unfortunately, going back to the offensive line, the Packers. You know, they need offensive line quite badly. They're losing uh, a couple of guys. I think they released uh, Rick Wagner, didn't they? Quite recently. Um, they're losing Corey Lindsley, um, Lane Taylor's a free agent as well. A couple of guys that I, I considered before I got to my pick, I considered an interior guy. So I'm looking at, you know, centers. So replace Lindsley, I think he's gone. I like him at the Chargers, if I'm perfectly honest with you. 
So I considered Landon Dickerson. I considered Creed Humphrey as well. Um, I have Dickerson ahead as a player, but his injuries really scare me. He's had four season-ending injuries, going back to when he was at Florida State before he was at Alabama, um, which probably does keep him out of the first round and probably keeps him out of contention for this uh, this pick, to be honest with you. Um, I haven't gone into the interior, though. I've gone for a right tackle. I've gone for Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. This guy, uh, he can block for the runners, right? He is a man mountain that can just clear a lane. And, you know, Aaron's getting a little bit older now and they're, they're kind of going back towards more of a running game and taking the ball out of his hands and not allowing him to kind of have all the pressure on his back. Um, I'm sure they'll resign Aaron Jones and get him in there. He'll be kind of the centrepiece of the offense. And as much as it's Aaron Rodgers, he'll become a bit more of a facilitator over the next few years. So I feel like you're going to need an offensive line that can, that can really push people and move people in the running game. And Tevin Jenkins does that. He's not the greatest pass protector in the world, um, but you know, you've know you got the best left tackle in the NFL over the other side in David Bagtiari. I know he's not healthy at the moment, but you know I'm sure he can learn a thing or two over the next few years You know while they're in the same room together. So I'm going to go for Tavon Jenkins, like I say, out of Oklahoma State there. I wouldn't have put him at Green Bay, but the reasoning barely makes sense if they are going to move towards a more of a running offensive fair. He's got some real work to do in pass pro. Um, I think he's a bit like Darrison in that way. I think he's, he's, he's a real people mover, uh, really strong punch, but I think that the footwork and the foot speed possibly might let him down as, by putting him on an island. You can't put him on an island in pass pro early on, uh, but you say with Bakhtiari on the other side, he probably can swing the protection that way to, to help him out early on. Okay, over to you then, Pete, with the Bills pick. Yeah, the Bills are a bit devastated that Zevin Collins is off the board because I think they were eyeing him up as a Matt Milano replacement. He's a free agent. I think he might... I've seen some reports of 11 million upwards a year for Matt Milano, which seems really, really excessive. So I don't think there's any chance of him bringing him back. But unfortunately, they can't go for Collins then. But um, what, what sort of transpired in their playoff run, I think, was... Um, not being able to run the ball. Um, uh, well, I quite like Moss and Singletary, so I think running backs and mock to them quite an awful lot. But I actually quite like that tandem. So I actually think that the, the interior lineman that they've got, I think they might uh, be able to upgrade there. They've got uh, Winters is a, a free agent um, and Feliciano's a free agent as well. I think they might need to concentrate on bringing Darrell Williams back and right tackle. So I've gone for Wyatt Davis, uh, to solidify the, the, the run game on the interior and help get the most out of, of that, that running back tandem that they've got. They've got Cody Ford coming back from injury as well. So that's a pretty mean interior line with Mitch Morse. I think that, that should be able to move some people out of the way and get the most out of those recent day two picks in, in Moss and Singletary. Okay, the big boys coming off the board. Uh, I'm up next with the Chiefs. <clears throat> to be honest, Davis is probably the, the pick I would have made, but as we saw uh, Mahomes just continually run for his life a few weeks ago, I am going for Jalen Mayfield. And the good thing about him is you don't actually have to start him right away. It depends on how that injury is with uh, Fisher. Uh, they're both him and Schwartz. Who knows what's going to happen with him? Uh, Mayfield is strong. And I think, that is just the big selling point with him. You're going to get movement straight away. He's going to need time in the passing passing game, but the fact that he's still here on the board, I like him better than uh, Cosme and Eichenberg. I think Eichenberg is probably not the best scheme fit there. They need O-line, and that's the one for me. 
Yeah, I think the, the, that Super Bowl did show that, didn't it? Is that didn't need it there? That, that Fisher injury, I heard they might not be back until November was the latest I heard. I'm not entirely sure if that's right. So in, in that case, they might need somebody uh, to step in at left tackle, I guess. Um, and obviously with with Schwartz as well, he's got a few injury problems. But Mayfield um, might be able to start a guard, I guess, and then, then kick out the tackle after a year or two. Um, but I quite like his development. I know he played a few games this year, but that game against Minnesota, I think it really showed that he's, he's got a whole lot stronger. He's moving people out of the way while still retaining that, that foot speed and that, that quickness to get to the second level. I was really, really impressed with what I saw in, in limited appearances this season. I will say, everyone's forgetting about Kansas City as well, that Duvernay Tardif is coming back next year. He opted out this year. He's uh, They wouldn't let him put MD on his jersey because, you know, no fun league. But he was out in Canada this year helping people with COVID, working at a hospital. Um, he was a massive loss for them this season. He's one of their best offensive linemen. And the losing him, I think, hurt even more because if he was there in the Super Bowl, he definitely would have helped uh, a lot more with Eric Fisher and those sort of guys out. But yeah, you're still going to need some help because if if the reports on Eric Fisher are true, he's not going to be back for a while, but they are going to have uh, Lawrence Duvernay Tardif back and he is a very productive offensive lineman for them. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's weird this whole season. Everyone sort of forgot he existed <laughs> when if you go on Instagram or Twitter every day, he's posting himself you know, squatting 400 pounds or whatever in a foot of snow out in Canada in some like ghetto ass Jimmy built in his back garden with like logs and stuff. So yeah, it, it's definitely wise to pick someone up, but I just wanted to give a shout out to him because it seems like he's been a forgotten player this year. Yeah. I just, I, I like the idea of putting Mayfield in ahead of someone like Cosme. I just, you've, you've got the most prized asset in the NFL and I think Cosme's just going to need time. And what does Sean Watson? <laughs> I love him. The controversy is great. The takes, I love it. Uh, let's go, Lee, to the Bucks. Yeah, I, I don't love the way this is setting up for the Bucks. To be honest with you, I'm looking at three areas of need, and it a lot often. Well, it does all revolve around uh, free agency and the players that they're going to lose. I'm looking at Andomakun um, Sue, he's not going to be back, so I'm looking at a defensive tackle or someone that can replace him in that odd front on the end. I don't love anyone in this defensive tackle grouping, to be honest with you. Not great scheme fit uh, for my my favourite player that's left on the board, which is David Nixon, who's a bit more of a three-tech on the... I'd like to see him on an even front, really. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really going to go there. Edge would be my next call, because Shaq Barrett may or may not be back. You know, he might be very, very well paid by someone else. But again, scheme fit just isn't there. You know, Rousseau is our best uh, edge player that's on the board. Very much hand-in-the-dirt guy for me. Not someone who I want to come off an inside line, uh, sorry, an outside linebacker um, at all. And I'm a bit worried about him because obviously he's been a year, he's been away for a year. We've only got one year of production. And my next time kind of guy, I'm getting really deep into my rankings for my kind of next sort of outside linebacker fit. So I'm not going to go there either. And for someone... I'm going to make myself a massive hypocrite because for someone who says running backs don't matter a lot, I'm going to take another running back. Lombardi Lenny is out of the door. He's not coming back. We're not having him again. He's been disappointing to say the least. You know, he, he, he was, a, he did a job. I'm going to get Kieran back for some anti-LSU <laughs> uh, chatter here. He's been disappointing. You know, he's good for a bit. He's stopgap. That's what he did in Tampa Bay. 
they need a long solution in there. So I'm going to take Najee Harris. I'm going to take uh, running back one to kind of play next to Brady and be a playmaker. And, you know, because they're not bringing back any of those running backs probably that they've got. So, yeah, uh, Najee Harris finished off our first round. I don't love it because it's another running back and I've taken two. But, like I say, the journey that I went on around the positions of need because they're to fill those roster holes, I just don't see it in a great position for the Bucs, to be honest with you. I don't know if anyone else kind of has any other suggestions that might have uh, been another I, way I to go. I think they bring back Leonard, personally. I know what Brady's like. And I know the relationship he's formed with Leonard Fournette. Brady's basically the GM at this point uh, for Tampa Bay. They, they've given him a lot of say, which I personally wouldn't do, even though that he's the GOAT. Uh, and I think they really potentially will need a, a defensive tackle or edge help just because the amount of players entering free agency there and they're not going to want a, a franchise tag, a guy like JPP. Uh, JPP has never had a massive contract, really. Uh, so he's got to go after generational wealth. A lot of players talk about that, that you've got to go after the big contracts and they can't franchise tag any, uh, everyone. Potentially, they maybe can make savings with guys like Chris Godwin and Indomitian Sue, convincing them to stay for like a, a discount or whatever to go after another Super Bowl win. But I think they're going to need most help off the edge or at the tackle position, which is where I think they're going to draft personally. I think... They're happy enough with Leonard Fournette and potentially they'll repay Rojo, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I think, I don't think running bad's a bad shout for them to go. It was sort of what Kansas went after last year and Clyde edwards alaire was only good uh, for about three games last year, as much as it pains me to say. They, they figured out, they, they used him on gap plays in the first game of the season. He went for like 130 yards and then they figured out in the Super Bowl that he's good on gap plays again. So they ran him on gap plays and he had the most uh, rushing yards of the Kansas City team that that's, uh, that game. But yeah, the, the problem is the Bucks. they've got to pay so many people and now they've all got a ring, which as we know is ultimate leverage. Yeah, I don't think a running back's a bad call. Just personally, I think they need someone off the edge or someone uh, as like a free tech or five tech who's going to create some disruption. I love the player, Harris. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. Great to watch. Strong burst through contact. And I think he's um, in the past game, he's massively underrated. I think he's better than Travis Etienne, probably. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of um, Marshall Lynch in that way and the fact that he was actually a really good pass catcher, but you, you never really see him as that way because of the way he just used to bowl people over all the time. Um, so we've, we've done the 32. Is there, We've obviously, you obviously mentioned Rousseau. Rousseau has fallen out the first round. Mac Jones has fallen out the first round. Probably not surprising between us doing a mock. Probably won't happen on the day. Rousseau, Pete, I'll start with you. What, what was it that didn't attract him to, for any of us with any of the picks? Kind of overlooked him each time. Like I say, it is that year off, isn't it? Um, and he, he, he always was a, a bit of a, a prospect and it was potential, but you have, having a year away, and some of these other players have stepped up to be fair. So, uh, Jalen Phillips in his place really shone. Um, Quitty Pays stepped up his game as well. Um, so for me, some of the teams I was picking for as well, it was a potential for Buffalo, I guess, because they were getting a bit long in the tooth of Jerry Hughes and they might need somebody a year away. So Russo could have been a fit there, possibly. But I think the um, the, the other players that I picked were sort of slightly better need uh, as well factored in. Yeah, Kieran, you mentioned about the explosive first step. I don't 
see it with him having it. He he seems to make up his distance because his legs are go go gadget legs, and they you know within two strides he's he's up to a tackle. But I, I wouldn't certainly say he's explosive from that first step. Yeah, I mean he's explosive with like hips and stuff, but the the, the important part is that elite first step, and it's it, you have to have great instincts to be able to do that because 90% of that first step is timing, not necessarily the explosiveness of the athlete. A lot of it is timing and recognizing things. And, you know, uh, I've, I've gone with some insane picks in this draft. We've just done probably by your guys's metrics, but like I, I value a lot football IQ over a lot of things because you can learn anything physical, but the football IQ is just natural for some guys. Just why I mentioned, like, I liked Elijah Molden and in a mock draft, I've put him at Bills because the Bills had a fantastic AFC championship game. They, they played defense correctly against Kansas City Chiefs, but they didn't have the guys with the IQ. So they were dropping assignments and getting confused and tripping them over, over themselves a lot. And I think that's what a guy like Elijah Molden adds. In my opinion, he has the best football IQ of this entire draft. His instincts are fantastic. He can track balls correctly. He can pattern match. And these, these are things that are rare in a player, which is... It's sad that the NFL is a bit of a size league at sometimes because at five foot 11, he's going to get overlooked by a lot of people. Uh, and, and I think football IQ needs to be valued a little bit more, which is why I think the Wonderlick's bloody pointless because it doesn't evaluate football IQ. It just evaluates a player's intelligence. Uh, and I think more stock needs to be put on guys watching tape. But the problem is when you give young gentlemen around 23 to 26 years old, millions and millions of dollars, their first instinct for a lot of guys, and I know it would be my first instinct as well if I had that much money, would be, I'm going to go have fun. I'm not sitting in a dark room for six hours lit by candlelight watching tape and just trying to see if I can read a certain player's hand movements better. But that that that's why guys with these high football IQs do thrive. Tom Brady is one of them. He's not athletically gifted. His arm isn't particularly strong. He's accurate and he has a great football IQ. That's all that he's certain. It, it's why Patrick Mahomes is such a good player, but because he has all this physical ability, but his football IQ is also fantastic. People forget when he came into the league, he was incredibly raw. He wasn't that good at Texas Tech. He would just threw the ball really far and people seem to like that, but he's he's developed his football IQ and he's refined his skill set. And I think we need to put more stock in players' football IQs, which is why... I wouldn't even be touching Micah Parsons in the first three rounds because I have concerns about his work ethic, because I have concerns about the arrest record and, and and his attitude and stuff. And I think maybe I put too much stock in players' attitudes, but I think that's a very important thing that people need to bear in mind when drafting players is who they are off the field as well. 100%. Um, you can also be uh, not be necessarily intelligent, but be quite instinctive. Lee, finish up with you. Uh, any uh, comments really on like Rousseau, Kadarius Tony dropped out also. Maybe no safety. Was it a surprise? Murray or Richie Grant maybe sneaking in the top end? Um, I don't. I don't really see in terms of safety. I'm talking about first, I don't really see anyone towards the end of the first round who's really crying out for one. So I don't see someone going up to trade up for safety or something like that because I don't think Murray or Richie Grant, who are the best two safeties in the grant uh, in the draft. Sorry, um, I don't really see them as pieces that you need to trade up for. I don't think, you know, you get them in the second round and you can probably trade up there when you're going to be trading away less. 
In terms of Rousseau, it's again scheme fit. You know, it's one of those things where, yeah, Tampa do need an edge, as I mentioned, but he's not the sort of edge that they'll want. If the board falls differently, then Tampa very may well take an edge. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I was I was scanning around actually on, on my board and, and as Kieran was speaking, I don't know if I've got a massive faller apart from Rousseau, really, who I probably do expect someone to fall in love with, as Kieran says. There's a lot of GMs that love size and love optics and things like that. Um, I, I just feel like someone probably will take a chance on him, probably in the late first round. Um, but I don't really see too much wrong with our draft. <laughs> and that's maybe giving ourselves a bit of a pat on the back. But I think we've got there. Um, last one that you mentioned, Kadarius Tony, not a fan at all. Um, very much shouldn't be in the first round for me. Pete, that was obviously a personal knock on you oh, and your uh, love for Kadarius Tony. You, you... Yeah, just as a fan, it, it, it's enjoyable to watch. I think yeah. going back to that Missouri game, where he took his screen, he broke a few tackles and they couldn't bring him down. But then another route where he just created a couple of yards of separation, absolutely mugged off the, the, the I was a linebacker, I think, and created so much separation with a great route. And I just thought, this is the guy I want to watch. I want to watch him on my team. So that possibly plays into it as well, to be fair. Any other part, uh, parting comments around uh, any fours in the first round before we get to the three teams you didn't pick? Nope. Okay, so we've not been lazy. Kieran, you've got two picks with the Texans and the Seahawks. Who do you like for their first picks in uh, in this draft? Uh, it's crazy. If I was the Texans, I'd go after Kyle Trask because it's very clear that Watson is gone. I know they don't want to trade him, but he doesn't want to be there. And, you know, you're never going to be able to get good production out of a player that doesn't want to be there despite last year being his best year in terms of stats-wise. He had four wins and he's not happy. So I think probably a guy like Kyle Trask would be perfect for them because he's pro-ready in terms of he's got the arm strength and those sort of things. The only thing that needs coaching out of him is he needs to be able to switch reads quicker because sometimes if his first read isn't open, he'll just take the ball and start running. Now, I know he got better with that later on in the season, but that is not going to fly in the NFL when every guy there is a completely elite athlete. So I think he's a guy they definitely need to go after. Maybe a wide receiver. If, uh, if, somehow Deshaun Watson decides he wants to stay and then the Seahawks oh man their their defense is trash and I don't know what they're going to do about it because there's no one player in this draft that is going to fix their defense uh so quickly but I think actually that would be a good landing spot for maybe uh guy I've already mentioned, Elijah Molden. He'd be a good replacement for Richard Sherman. He's not, like I said, he's not exceptionally fast, but he's great in zone because of his instincts and his IQ. And as we know, Sherman sucks in man coverage, but excels in zone. So, yeah, just a couple players that I think could help the franchise, but neither of these franchises is going to have an exceptional season next season, just given the amount of problems they have to fix. And like I said, with Seattle, their, their offense is amazing. It's always been let Russ cook and that sort of taken them as far as they got there. But when you don't have defense, you can't rely on a five foot nine quarterback to throw five touchdowns every game. It's just not possible. I mean, we we nearly beat them last year and our quarterbacks basically are glorified running backs. So it, it, yeah, they need to fix that defense because you can't keep getting burnt by the Cam Newtons and the, the, the Nick Foles and the, the like of the world. So, I mean, look how crap they were in the playoffs. They, they got beaten by a guy with no thumb. So, uh, yeah, I think I think they really need to uh, 
go after some big defensive weapons in the middle of the field. Linebackers would be great. Bobby Wagner's not getting any younger and Shaquille Griffin is not a cornerback one by any stretch of the imagination. So I think they really just need to aggressively draft only defensive pieces and maybe go after an extra tackle or two. Okay, I had a pick for the Rams. I did one or two mocks on various different sites um, with their needs. And I went for a kind of, I guess, three players in our own mock that we did, two-round mock. I actually gave the Rams James Hudson, is uh, someone who can actually sit behind old man Whitworth and, uh, and wait there. Someone who's not got a lot of experience playing the position. And unfortunately, the last time we saw him was some crazy personal foul in was it the Peach Bowl. Yep. Yep. I actually think he's got really good, quick feet and can uh, match. Well, I actually thought he matched Ojolari pretty well until he obviously committed his uh, his misdemeanor. I quite like Jabril Cox for them as well with that that kind of length and versatility, sideline to sideline, uh, good in coverage. I also had Joe Tryon dropping to them in a mock I did. I don't know whether that will happen or not. Um, he's kind of in a no finesse. And I must confess, I've not totally dug in on him yet as I'm kind of working through my edges at the moment. But some names there to um, to think about. So, gents, that was a lot of fun. Thanks very much for your time doing it. Lee, uh, where can we find you and the pod? So, for me personally, on Twitter, is at Wakefield90. Uh, for the pod, uh, Full 10 Yards College Football, that is at Full 10 Yards CFB. And, yeah, we've got, obviously, our draft guide coming out very, very soon. And we'll be dropping details on that in the coming days and weeks. Excellent. Kieran? I am at the Himbo F10Y on Twitter, respecting women and working out is pretty much all I do if I'm not attacking Steelers fans. Excellent. <laughs> Pete, where can people find you and our pod? Yes, it's at Barlow Peter and I actually don't know our own handle, to be honest, Kev, you, you normally deal with that sort of stuff. <laughs> uh, it is at NFL Draft Punk Pod on all your usual places. I'm at Kevin Say on Twitter. Support the UK people doing their podcast, doing their writing. Uh, as Lee said, with the draft guide coming out soon, make sure you keep an eye out for that. Been a lot of fun, gents. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks, gents. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's been fun. Great stuff. We'll catch you all next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.